Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. I want to thank each of you for taking the time to tune in this evening. I realize it's the peak of summer, and you all have wonderful outdoor activities to attend, so I greatly appreciate you taking the time to tune in. I have a great show lined up for you this evening. Several amazing calls have found their way to me from all around the world, and I'm pretty excited to share them with you. But before I get started, I wanted to take a brief moment to tell you about a friend of mine named Julian. You see, Julian is the amazing artist behind Cryptid Zoo. Cryptid Zoo is a line of amazing, cryptid-themed, interactive t-shirts. You may have seen his Yeti design in the very first Cryptid Crate. I encourage each and every one of you to head over to cryptidzoo.com and shop around. Be sure to check out the interactive features on each shirt. And because Julian is a generous man, he's offered a 25% discount for all Monsters Among Us listeners. Simply enter the coupon code MONSTERS at checkout. Okay, so what do you say we get this thing started? As I mentioned in past episodes, I have a healthy fear of water. My fear is by no means crippling. I still swim, boat, fish, and do most other things that everyone else does in the water. But if I'm being honest, there are certain aspects about water that are downright terrifying to me. I suppose it happens mostly when the water is murky or when it's dark. There's something about not being able to see what's below you that really strikes a nerve. Now, to dissect this fear even further, it's not the actual water that concerns me, but rather what's lurking below, creeping in the depths, camouflaged by the water's darkness, and poised for an attack. But as you will learn from our first call, not all terrifying water creatures are found beneath the surface. The following call, Stewart's Call, details just such an entity. I've called a couple times, called about the uh, guy in Charleston that was, you know, watching us from across the street, about my daughter, 
my grandfather's voice on the uh, baby monitor. The woman talking about the uh, talking about the voice from the woods uh, reminded me of something that happened when I was in the Navy. Um, it wasn't like terrifying or anything, but I figured it was something that you might you know get a kick out of. Uh, when I was in the Navy, we had to stand aft lookout, which was basically the guy who stands on the back of the flight deck uh, and looks for you know aircraft or ships or anything like that that the sonar or the radar might not pick up. Um, and one night I was standing at uh, uh, 10 to 2 watch, which was 10 at night till 2 in the morning. And uh, we were, I want to say about probably probably about 40 to 50 miles uh, west of Panama. We had just come through the Panama Canal. We were headed from Mississippi to California. And uh, I'm standing out to look out. I'm by myself. It's you know, pitch black, normal, boring watch. I've done this a thousand times already. And, uh, you know, I'm just standing out there. Really, the only thing we have uh, to communicate is is a set of headphones that are a sound-powered phone. So, you know, when you talk into them, that gives them the power to go ahead and, and talk, you know, to people based off of the diaphragm mechanism and everything. But the important part about that is that you don't just get random noises on the sound-powered phone. Um, because until somebody actively speaks into the microphone, the diaphragm doesn't move and it doesn't power the phone. There's a you know a transformer in there that when you when the diaphragm you know wiggles from your voice speaking into it, that generates just enough current to send the signal to the next person. So there's no random noises coming through. It's pitch black. I'm out, I'm out on the flight deck. I mean we're probably only going about 10 to 15 knots. We're not moving very fast, which is I mean it's anywhere between. I think about 12 to 18 miles an hour. So we're not moving very quickly. It's pretty still night and I hear a, it almost started off as a, uh, as like a, a humming noise, but it, over the course of, I guess about five minutes, it progressed into almost like a, uh, it, it sounded kind of like women singing, but not any kind of words or anything, just a, you know, a melody. And uh, I started, you know, just kind of listening to it, and there was nothing else going on. There was no wind or anything to listen to, so it's boring. I'm standing out on half lookout. I got nothing better to do. So I start listening to it, and, you know, I, I didn't realize it, but I guess about 10 to 15 minutes had passed uh, from the last time I had looked at my watch, which was a couple minutes before this started. And uh, somebody comes over the sound-powered phones and says something, and that kind of, you know, snaps me out of, whatever I was in and uh, whatever, you know, I guess, hypnotic state, whatever you want to call it. I wasn't really paying attention to anything. And I realized when some when a port lookout comes over the sound-powered phones and I'm standing on the edge of the flight deck, um, you know, standing right above the water. If I'd have fallen off, that would have been, you know, it would have been in. I mean, I have a flotation device on because we're required to, but by the time anybody realized that I had fallen off, I would have probably been, you know, miles and miles away because, you know, that's the whole purpose of the aft lookout is to watch for people that have fallen off the ship. So I'm the aft lookout. If I fall off, that's it. I'm gone. And uh, I realize I'm standing on the edge of the ship. And once some, once that person spoke over the sound-powered phones, I realized I couldn't hear those voices anymore. And so, you know, I kind of took a few steps back, collected myself, because at this point I'm, you know, I'm kind of freaked out. Why the hell am I standing on the back of the on the back of the ship? But uh, 
I never heard it again. Uh, I thought maybe it was wind. You know, the, the flight deck is long and flat, so wind that's coming off the front of the ship will at times move up over the structure on the ship, come back down and, and go across the, the flight deck, and it, you know, it picks up speed going across the flight deck. You know, you live in the Midwest, you feel the, the planes, that there's nothing to break the wind, they just kind of float across the planes. Same kind of deal, except you know we're moving forward, so usually we generate a little bit more wind. But like I said, there really wasn't any wind, um, and I don't know what caused it. It's the only time it ever happened. The only thing I can think that even sounds remotely similar, sounds actually very similar, is sirens uh, from you know Greek mythology. Uh, the women that would sit in the ocean and sing and try to you know tempt men to crash the ship into the rocks. Um, but like I said, it was I was west of Panama. I was off the coast of uh, Central America, about 50 miles. So I don't know. Um, I figured I'd go ahead and call in and tell you about it, see if you wanted to uh, use the story. But uh, keep up the good work. I love the podcast, and the Cryptid Crate is awesome. I'm really glad, really glad I subscribed to it, and uh, I hope you keep putting out good episodes. And I hope the story helps. All right, thanks. Bye. Thank you, Stuart, for sharing yet another story. This one particularly stuck a nerve with me, partly because of your description of falling overboard. I don't think I'd have to worry about sharks, giant squid, or any other sea monster. I'm pretty certain that I'd have a heart attack and expire nearly immediately. Now, as for your story, I too was thinking the same thing you were. Sirens. Now, for those of us unfamiliar, I've managed to uncover the following YouTube clip from user Nerdy and Quirky that might help explain the origin of the siren. As always, the full clip can be found in the show notes for today's episode. Siren, having origins in Middle English, Old French, Late Latin, Latin, and Greek, means a variety of things. Though in the case of classical mythology, siren refers to a type of sea nymph that is part bird, part woman that lures sailors to their doom through seductive singing. So seductive. Nowadays, sirens refer to a particular whale or cry or something dangerously alluring. Usually it's a woman. In Greek mythology, the sirens lived on the rocky island of Anthemusa, which ironically translates into flowery, and it was located by Italy. Their voices sang songs so beautiful that passing mariners couldn't resist trying to get closer to its source. They would jump into the ocean or steer their boats towards the source of the music, and then they would crash into the rocks and die. Oh, and then the sirens might have eaten them. That assumption is made off Circe's description of sirens. Lolling there in their meadow, round them heaps of corpses rotting away, rags of skin shriveling on their bones. Seductive. So Stuart, the only explanation that I could come up with that you haven't already touched on is the actual earpiece. I will not deny any ignorance I may have about the communication device you described, but if it required you to use earbuds or even headphones, this might help to explain where the sound was coming from. If you ever wore a pair of headphones on a windy day, you may have noticed a whistling sound in your ears. Perhaps this effect is what you heard that evening. Then again, if the device you spoke of does not require either of these accessories, then your guess is as good as mine. Thank you again, Stuart, for taking the time to share your story. It's always great to hear from you. And by the way, thank you for subscribing to Cryptocrate. I'm happy to hear you're enjoying it. As I've touched on in past episodes, I often receive short stories submitted via the anonymous submission form. 
I do my best to play every story that I receive, and these short stories are no exception. So this episode, I'd like to read a pair of interesting, albeit brief, submissions. The first harkens back to the very first episode of Monsters Among Us, back when it was still called Here There Be Monsters Podcast. Here is that encounter. I began listening to the podcast and I was thinking of all the weird sightings I'd had. The first thing that came to mind was the time I was coming home from a bonfire. I live in fairly rural Illinois, about 50 minutes south of Chicago and about 30 minutes off the Indiana border. I live surrounded by fields and I went even further into the rural part of town to a bonfire. This area is partially woods and we have a state park in the town over. The rest would be cornfields. It was about midnight, I was 8 to 10 years old, it was the summer of 2008-2010, and we were driving home on old country roads surrounded by woods and corn. We were going about 50 miles an hour, it's dangerous to go any faster than that with all the wild animals around, and a huge black cat jumped over the road right in front of the car. As we continued driving, we were trying to figure out what it was, and we all saw clearly that it was a large black cat. Since it was dark, we thought maybe it was just some woodland cat that seemed to be black because of the low lighting. But that didn't make much sense because the car's brights were on. I've never heard anything about any big cats in the area since then. Now, this story reminds me of my personal encounter with a mysterious large black cat. I'm sure that the submitter shares in my frustration, not knowing what was seen that evening. Thank you so much for your submission. The next story was not submitted anonymously. The following is Angela's encounter. It was 1997 when I was about 17 in Orange, California. It was near dawn when I opened my eyes slightly to see three very tall, dark shadow figures standing around my twin bed in my room. My hand was on top of my pillow. I quickly, full of fear, unable to move or scream, closed my eyes and prayed for these objects, people, humanoids, or whatever they were, to go away. As soon as I closed my eyes, I felt something placed on top of the palm of my hand. I peeked and saw a glass vial with a pink liquid that they wanted me to drink. They didn't speak. Somehow, I just knew this. I closed my eyes and didn't move and just prayed and prayed until I fell asleep. When I woke up, they were gone. I have gladly never encountered them again. I have always had a connection with ghosts in a way, a feeling presence or sometimes physically touched by something I cannot see. I do not believe these were spirits. It was a completely different feeling of negative energy and fear. Maybe it was a dream, but maybe it wasn't. But I still can remember the fear I felt to this day. Thanks, Angela. I gotta be perfectly honest here, this is the first time I've ever heard of a shadow entity attempting to give an item to one of its victims. The morbid side of me wants to know what would happen if Angela would have taken and drank the mystery liquid, but the human side of me is awfully glad that she did not. Thank you, Angela, for sharing your encounter. Up next, we make our way to the country of Jordan. The following is Tim's encounter. 
hello, Derek. My name is Tim, and uh, I'm calling you from Amman, Jordan. Uh, I'm American, uh, but I moved out here about four years ago to uh, teach at a boarding school um, out here in Jordan. And I'm actually, this is, I'm spending my last night in Jordan. And I thought I would uh, uh, send in my story uh, before, before I leave Jordan for good. And my story has to do with shadow people. Um, and I guess I'll kind of start uh, where this all kind of begins for me. Uh, it was about, it was last Christmas, it was before we were, all the teachers uh, were heading home and all the students were heading home for Christmas break. And um, it, was, it was a cold night. Uh, it, get, it can get pretty cold here in Jordan. In fact, it snows sometimes. And it, it was about to snow, I think, a couple hours after this incident happened to me. And uh, I was walking back to my dorm. And like all boarding schools, like, you know, uh, the teachers live on campus and the students live on campus. And some teachers live in private residences uh, on like the kind of the outskirts of the school campus. And some teachers live in the dorms. Uh, with apartments that are connected to the uh, student, to the student uh, dormitories, and I'm in that latter group. So, I live in a in a dorm, uh, in, a, in an apartment attached to a dorm uh, with a bunch of boys, with about 80 boys that live in it. And uh, I get the the shape of the the shape of the dorm is like an L shape, and it's uh, two stories. And uh, and I guess if I were to kind of tell you where I live on it I would be I would be I guess uh living on the end of it on the top part of the uh of the L shape on the ground floor um and so one night you know like the finals are done the kids are all about to leave we're you know we're getting rid of the kids and all the teachers were kind of packing up getting ready for our own uh, holiday vacations and full disclosure uh I had been drinking um you know but I would say definitely no more than you know three drinks probably just two um, and, uh, you know, and by the time we drove back in from Amman, uh, the school is located in kind of a, a rural area about 30 minutes outside of Amman, uh, the capital of Jordan. So, I mean, by the time we drove back from, you know, downtown Amman back to the school campus, you know, I'm, I'm a big guy, so I was pretty much sober by then. I don't, I don't recall feeling at all inebriated, uh, <laughs> when I was coming back. And so... You know, I had to kind of, my friends, you know, dropped me off and I had to kind of walk across campus, you know, in the middle of the night, about two in the morning, uh, back to, you know, back to where I live uh, in the dorms. And I'm crossing the lawn and, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm perpendicular right with my patio. I have a, I have a back patio that kind of faces onto an empty uh, or to a full green quad area. And, uh, and as I'm walking towards, you know, my building, and my building's, you know, the, the stone that they use to build all the schools, it's this, like, this kind of, like, white granite and, uh, and uh, limestone. And they're actually quite beautiful buildings, but they, they almost glow at night when they have all the, uh, you know, like, the, uh, all the little lights on the lawns and all the little uh, street lights and stuff. It, and so the, the whole campus almost kind of glows at night. And as I'm walking across and I'm, it's cold and I can see my breath and the lawn's kind of wet and there's moisture in the air and I can see this shadow walking across my patio and so I'm about I would say 50 feet away and my patio itself I don't know, probably yeah and my patio itself is maybe about 25 feet uh, wide and and it's about two feet off the ground and there's about six five or six six columns 
that uh, kind of uh, you know that, that join both um, my my apartment on the ground floor and then the uh, the above apartments. So these you know you know very very tall columns. And as I'm kind of walking straight to my door, I see right around the you know kind of turning and wrapping around my building, almost like they're walking towards my door as well on my patio they're walking on my patio is this shadow this dark shape and it you know it kind of freaked me out i kind of you know jolted real quick because it's the middle of the night and i you know didn't see anyone and i see this kind of dark shape and it wasn't like a large shape i'd say is i mean if it was a man it was about about five foot ten you know definitely nothing over six foot and and it kind of just jolted me real quick and and I was like, oh, and, and as I saw it, I'm like, oh, maybe it's my shadow. And this is all going through my head. Maybe it's my shadow that's kind of being projected across the lawn onto the side of uh, my building. Because as I'm walking, it's almost like walking, you know, in tandem with me. And and I'm walking and uh, like, no, it, it can't it, it can't be my shadow because there's not really any lights bright enough to kind of cast my shadow over this distance across the lawn and onto the side of my building. And as I, you know, I'm getting closer and closer and, and oh, it, it must be, you know, a security guard because, you know, security guards, they walk around at night as well as other kind of maintenance and support crew. And, you know, and it just, and it wasn't, you know, a security guard because, like, I don't see why they'd be walking that close to where I live on my patio, although it, they could, but I don't see why they would. And then finally I thought, oh, it's, it's a damn kid. Like, they're always playing pranks uh, on us on the teachers and I thought okay like there's some kid who's you know they, they think I don't see them and they, they're gonna like hide behind one of the columns or they're gonna try and pop out and scare me and so I'm kind of bracing myself for it I'm by this by this point I'm like you know very wide awake and definitely have my wits about me I'm definitely not uh, feeling tipsy at all and so you know I'm walking directly towards it, a 90 degree angle perpendicular straight towards my you know patio door and this shape is on a like on an intercept course, and it's walking behind the columns that are on my patio. And right as it gets to like the second to last one, it stop. You know, it stops, and so I stop. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk a few more feet, and on the other side of this column, I'm gonna find whoever this is, whether it's a teacher who's trying to maybe have a have a gag at me or a kid or whoever. So I take a couple more steps forward, and my heart was kind of pounding in my chest maybe a little and I walk forward and there's absolutely nothing there uh, nobody and then I walk completely up to my patio walk up to the steps up to my patio you know to see you know maybe that somehow they I kind of missed them or they ran off and no there was no one there but I definitely saw uh, I definitely saw the shape of a, of a person walking and you know and as they were walking I mean they weren't drifting or floating, but as they were walking, it almost did seem like the movement of their legs didn't quite match the amount of distance they were covering. Like their legs were moving, the, the gate was wider than the than the ground that they were covering. And it was just a really creepy experience. And at that time, I'm like, okay, I guess it was my shadow, and I guess I'm drunk. Although I really didn't feel like it, but I just it was cold, and I got into my apartment. The next day, I'm uh, having breakfast with some teachers, and I tell you know I tell my buddy Matt about this, and he's you know we're kind of interested in you know podcasts similar to yours, and we both read a lot of Poe and H.P. Lovecraft, and 
he just comes out of nowhere and says, oh, you know, you must have had a, a shadow people experience. You know, kind of nonchalant, not, you know, not even half serious. And although I have heard of, like, shadow people before on, you know, Art Bell's podcast and all over the internet, I never really put much thought into it of what a shadow person was. I don't even think I really heard much about it. And that's how I found your podcast. And, you know, this experience, it didn't kind of, it didn't resurrect repressed memories, but it kind of did shed light on what has uh, happened to me in my past. Thank you, Tim, for taking the time to record your story all the way from across the world. Tim's submission was rather lengthy, though very interesting, so I've decided to play the second half on next week's episode. So stay tuned for the creepy conclusion of Tim's story. Now to wrap things up for this episode, we hear from a familiar voice. It wasn't too long ago that Renata called in to share her experience with a few strange encounters while working the night shift at her local hotel. Well, Renata is back with further details of her spooky graveyard shift. Good morning, this is Renata. I gave y'all a story um, a couple episodes ago about shadow people that I had seen, but I was thinking back about that hotel that I worked at where I saw that one shadow person, and there's actually another thing that happened there that was a little bit strange. So like I had said, instead of sitting in the lobby uh, during my night audit shift, I went into the dining area because the lights were a little bit too bright in the lobby. Um, and they are just, you know, too overwhelming, especially for uh, night shift. Um, so sitting in the dining area where the lights were off were, uh, was basically where I sat throughout my shift. Um, in the dining area, there is a little cutout kind of into the wall into the kitchen. Uh, so we could just pass food through there instead of taking out a big trolley, trying to get a trolley through the breakfast crowd. Um, and one day when I was sitting there, I heard this huge crash come from the kitchen. And, you know, it was all locked down. There's nobody in the kitchen. Um, everything ought to have been locked up. So I was like, great, somebody broke into our kitchen. Um, on our little two-way radio, I got the security guy down to check out the kitchen with me because I didn't really feel like opening that by myself. Um, and to get into the kitchen, you have to walk through a hallway. Yeah, the doorway and the little cutout to the kitchen were on opposite sides of the kitchen. And when the security guy finally caught up um, caught up with me by the doorway to the kitchen, he could hear crashing noises in there, too. So we're both like, what the heck? And he's like, should I call, you know, the real cops, or, you know, we've raised people going on? I was like, yeah, I want to open it up. I want to see, because I thought it was a guest. I thought some guest had been, you know, either stupid or drunk or in food and didn't feel like paying for room service. So I was like, no, I want to see which guy is in here and I want to tell him off for scaring me. So we both opened the door and instead of a huge mess that I expected to see where like um, all of our pots and pans on the 
or something. Everything is fine. Nothing was out of place. You know, nothing was on the floor. Nothing had fallen over. So I went through there a couple times just to make sure that no one was hiding, you know, that no one was like cleaning uh, up after themselves and was trying to uh, get away with making a big old mess. Um, I didn't find anybody. I didn't find, you know, any any trace of anyone having been there. And um, I guess someone could have gone through that one kitchen door. Oh, I'm sorry. It was locked from the out from uh, the kitchen door was locked, so it couldn't have gone through there. It was somebody broke in. Um, you know, if someone could have gone through the little cutout from the dining room into the kitchen and got out that same place. Um, but, you know, we just never saw any trace of it. Um, so I'm not really sure what all happened there. But the security guard was a little bit freaked out and he, you know, kind of avoided that area of the hotel after that happened. Um, I only worked there for about three months, so... I don't really have any other stories from there. I didn't really talk to uh, any of my other coworkers about it. I was just like, well, I don't have to sit here and see, so I guess it doesn't matter. But, you know, that hotel was a little bit strange. But thanks for your time, and talk to you later. Thank you, Renata, for sharing your story. As I listened to your submission, I couldn't shake the feeling that it was all so familiar to me. Then, it dawned on me. The following video was recorded on September 14, 2003, at a Wingate Hotel in the state of Illinois. According to the security manager, people staying at the hotel began calling in noise complaints to the front desk with reports of loud screaming coming from the second floor, particularly room 209. There is no known paranormal history to room 209 according to several investigations. However, upon further review, it was found that over the years, multiple complaints of strange noises were heard to be coming from that room. Here is the video clip.
full disclosure, the validity of this video is up for debate. That does not keep it from being downright terrifying. Thank you again, Renata, for sharing your story. I hope, for your sake, that your experience was less than half as creepy as the experiences in the previous video. And that's going to do it for this episode of Monsters Among Us, but before I go, I'd like to take a moment to share some information. The Season 3 finale is nearly upon us. I have a great special lined up, but in order for this to work, I need some stories. So if you've been sitting on a great encounter story, or even a great secondhand story, please take a few minutes and share. Submitting is crazy easy. Simply call the hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. As always, you can email the show at monstersamonguspodcast at gmail.com or submit 100% anonymously by clicking on the Report Your Sightings tab on the show's website, which is www.monstersamonguspodcast.com. While you have that phone in your hand, jump on over to iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcast and leave the show a nice five-star rating and a positive review. I appreciate each and every one of you that have already done so. Except for that one lady. She clearly has no idea what she's talking about. For those of you that have subscribed to Cryptic Crate, keep your eye on that mailbox. The latest crate goes out tomorrow. If you're feeling jealous and want to sign up, simply head over to crypticcrate.com to get started. Music from tonight's episode was provided by Mayu and Nature World 1986. Thank you all for listening, and until next week.